Thanks for tuning in. This is the midweek devotional for March the 3rd, which is a cold but uh, increasingly beautiful day. I don't know about you, but these last few days have been so rainy and so cold and so terrible. Thankful to see the, the sun shining. You know what I don't have time for? Small coffee cups. You know, why do they make these things anyway? Now, I'm not talking about those itty-bitty little ones they make for espresso. I understand why they make those. But why do they make 8-ounce coffee cups? I mean, in, in terms of consumption of coffee, they're just small enough to make you mad, right? It, it, I mean, if you're sitting next to the coffee pot and you only drink it black, then I can understand why someone would buy a 8-ounce coffee cup or six ounce coffee cup. But if you, I like a little bit of Splenda in mine and a little bit of cream. And I'd like to go get my coffee and then go sit somewhere else in the house. And and I, I need more coffee. Well, that's just a good tidbit for today before we get into the midweek devotional. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you uh, that you have spoken to us through the spirit, through the word. We pray that you would help us and guard us and guide us uh, by the same. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, hanging in my house, and we've had several iterations of this, and, and perhaps in your house too, there might be a plaque that quotes Joshua 24, verse 15, at least the very end of it. And what does it say? It says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a great great text to remember and to be reminded of that no matter what's going on in the world, we have made the decision, as for me, especially as, as the husband uh, and father, as the head of the household, but as Christy and I together lead this charge that we are going to serve the Lord no matter what happens. But have you ever thought about what the context of that verse is? Remember, context is really important. Just as location is perhaps the most important thing in, in realty, you can have the nicest house, but if it is in um, on the Antarctic continent, you, you don't want to live there, right? Uh, so it is with the Word of God that is important to remember the context. So I want to tell you the context and then uh, of the passage, or the verse rather, but also talk about the context in the midst of salvation history. The context here in Joshua 24 is at the end of Joshua's life. Now, you remember that Moses brought the people out of Egypt um, by the mighty hand of God. But Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land. Uh, and so as Exodus, the book of Exodus goes forward, we see a man named Joshua become more and more important to the story. And it ends with, or later in Deuteronomy, actually, I guess, if I'm thinking correctly, uh, we have the uh, assumption of Moses' authority uh, by Joshua. It happens at the very end of Moses' life. And so Joshua is the one that is going to lead the people into the promised land. Now, at the end of Joshua's life, um, much, not all, of the promised land has been taken. Right, Everywhere that they have gone in order to uh, drive out the Canaanites and all those other ites, when they have gone with the Lord, they have succeeded. However, there are large sections that they did not uh, take, that they did not seek to conquer, 
and there remained in the land many people who were not of the Hebrew nation that were not Jews. And so there was this covenant renewal service or ceremony or gathering that we have in Joshua 24, where they gathered at Shechem uh, to rededicate themselves to God and for the covenant to be uh, reminded and to be renewed. And so that's the context. And so uh, Joshua addresses the people uh, in the midst of of all that they have gone through in the midst of living in the midst of these foreign nations. Let me pick up at verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. They had allowed, so that's the end of the text we'll read so far. So they had allowed these foreign gods and these foreign nations to continue to live in their midst. And Joshua has more or less called them to the mat. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve these foreign gods that you've allowed to, to remain in your midst? Or are you going to serve the one true God, Yahweh himself? And Joshua says, look, guys, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, the people answered correctly. You know, it's a good Sunday school answer. Verse 16, then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us, brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. That's a good response, right? That is a good response to a charge to obey the covenant that they had made with God. Joshua has something else to say, though. He says in verse four, uh, excuse me, verse 19, But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves, that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. And he said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. Now here's the thing. What I want to talk briefly about today is the importance of continuing to pour into the next generation the things that we have learned. And by the next generation... We can apply this in a lot of different ways. We can think of it in terms of our children and our grandchildren. So our blood kin, our nieces and our nephews, those whom the Lord has directly placed under our care uh, by being in our families or in our extended families. But I also want to think about in terms of the next generation within the church, that, uh, that we as a church are pouring into the next generation, whether it be the youth and the children, or young adults, or those in their uh, midlife years, right? That, that we are constantly pouring into the next generation and the next generations those things which we have learned. This is the primary way in which people are discipled 
right? Discipled means uh, a disciple as uh, one, I think it was John MacArthur said, that disciples are lifelong learners of, uh, of God. And, and as we follow the Lord and as we serve him, part of serving him is pouring into others that they too may do this. This was the instruction that God gave to his people as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is how the next generation was to know what to do of their duty to God and to man, how to be saved and how to be grown spiritually. It was incumbent upon the older generation, the generation who had walked life before them, in order for the next generation to know what to do and how to live. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Beginning at verse 4, we have this great creedal statement of the Jews. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Okay, so that is, that is a command to those currently living. Verse 7 is the command to the living, uh, to those who are mature, to continue to pour in to the next generation. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. We see this put in another way over in verse 20. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the statutes and the uh, testimonies and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, and then there's this long explanation of, of how the Lord has provided for his people. But note, it is, uh, this is a command from God that we pour into the next generation. We see this in what Paul did, especially with Timothy, right? That he would take Timothy with him in his ministry, and then Timothy would be let loose in order to pour into others. Now, as we return to our, our context of Joshua, Joshua 24, we see that this was, this was not done. This was not done with disastrous effects. I mean, terrible effects. If you've ever read the book of Judges, uh, I mean, at every point in the book of Judges, you can say it's all downhill from here. There is this cycle of Israel disobeying, Israel calling out to God, God raising up a judge who then delivers God's people. God's people will then live for a season in peace. They will, get, they will again forget the Lord, failing to pour into the next generation, failing to walk before the Lord in holiness and godliness and loving him well with all of their hearts. And it would happen again. And God would send foreign nations to oppress them and then it would often take longer for them to call out the name of the Lord. And as you look at the book of Judges, with each one of the judges in a general trend, uh, we can say that each successive judge is less and less heroic, less and less good. There are several judges who are like, I don't know if that's a good guy or not. Right? A rash vow made and the killing of a daughter. Or Samson and... I mean, really, Samson's the good guy who continues to let Delilah um, be with him after it is apparent that she is seeking to do what she is doing? Really? Like, th this is, you wonder, like, okay, like, is this, is this really someone that we want to be like? It all sets up the need for a king uh, and how they have rejected God as their king. But it doesn't take long 
for God's people to turn from the covenant recommitment, the renewal of the covenant, their commitments to God that they made in Joshua uh, chapter 24. We read this um, in Judges chapter 2. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundary of his inheritance in Timnath-Heretz, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. And all the generation, all that generation, were gathered to their fathers. And here it is. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Now let me ask you a question. Why? Why did they not know what the Lord had done for Israel? Now surely they had not seen the mighty things that God had done for Israel as he made the the sun stand still, as he sent sent hailstones to kill many people. Uh, We see that in the book of Joshua. We see time or, or, or to see the the walls of Jericho fall outward, right? Just at the mere sound of the trumpets and the and the yelling and shouting of God's people, uh, to see the the is is Israelite armies to defeat such larger armies without the loss of even a single man in different battles, they had not seen that. That is true. However, why did they not know about the work that God had done for Israel? It was the failure of the generation that had seen all that, not to pass it to the next. What was the result of all that, of the not knowingness? Well, Josh, uh, excuse me, Judges 2.11 continues, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. Wow. Wow. It didn't take very long, did it? It didn't take very long for the next generation Having not heard and having not known the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and all that he had done for his people. Now, it is true that as we pour into the next generation, it is up to the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts. We can tell people faithfully about the word of God and the love of Christ until we're blue in, the, in our faces, and it won't work unless the Holy Spirit regenerate someone's heart and calls them to, uh, to love God, all right? But how does God do that? It is primarily through the sharing of his word and not just the preached word on Sunday mornings, but the sharing of the word in the homes and from one believer to a, a younger believer or one believer to someone who does not know the Lord yet. Uh, so are there people? So are you a, a mature believer? Are there people that you, are, you have identified to uh, pour into, to just do life together, 
you don't have to have a a formal discipleship meeting every week, although that would be great to gather gather someone and say, hey, let's just read through the Gospel of Luke together and uh, and read a chapter a day and then talk about it uh, once a week. Just, hey, what did you learn this week? You know, just do life together. Um, it, it can be like that, or, or it can just be sitting over the dinner table as a couple um, on a fairly regular basis, just talking about life and and modeling how to process things from a godly perspective. Uh, it can be formal, it can be informal. It can be organic, or it can be structured. But we are called to pour into the next generation, lest the next generation abandon the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought us out of not just the land of Egypt, but out of the land of hell. For our Savior is the one who would eventually come to be judged for our failures for how we have rebelled against God, for all the things that we had forgotten that he had done for his people. May the Lord bless you this day. Amen.